Welcome to Twisted With Us. In the name of songs, 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 songs. This is our ongoing examination of Twisted. I'm Aaron. And I'm Eric. And today we're reviewing House of Crazy's 1996 album, Head Drama. for you eric hello everybody welcome one and all to icp with we which is uh, today twisted with us because we're doing our twisted thing y'all know this already you already know this but if you're new i guess i can explain it to you we're a podcast about icp and uh we kind of caught up to current and so now we're starting on twisted and so we're starting with hok so this season is hok plus some icp songs that we missed that uh, y'all submitted to us, as well as some story time episodes for Eric and five uh, 100 episode celebrations that we did <laughs> earlier. Go check them out. Uh, this is my co-host of the Comos, Eric. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for that recap. That was a previously on. You caught everybody up to speed. I uh, did. And I, I omitted all the stuff that didn't really matter that much, you know, like the gathering or, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did some I, gathering I made episodes sure to too. Hit, uh, I made sure to hit the the hundred episodes. We uh we are rapidly rapidly approaching the end of season five, a, a season that I at one point thought might never end because it's been most of this year. Let's be honest. And uh, the, yeah, this this season has been the majority of twenty twenty two. Yeah, after this, we have one more House of Crazies episode. Bum bum bum. We have one more story time episode. Bum, bum, bum. I think we have two more, maybe three more, um, Songs We Missed episodes. But then I think we've got those and we've got our Christmas episode, maybe a wrap-up. I think we're going to do wrap-up somewhere in there as well. But yeah, I we don't have a lot of episodes left. We'll be wrapping this one up around the holidays this year. We'll be the end of season five. Around the holidays. One more a story time episode. Just one more. Golly, and that, and you're going to take us all the way to your death. Yeah. That is a lot of info packed in that episode. No, I mean, uh, you know when you watch a movie that starts mm. like in the present time, and then they're like, let me tell you about how we got here. You're probably wondering how we got here. And then it tells you With everything. Scratch, of course, yeah. Right. And it tells you the whole story up to that point. And then at some point in the movie, it catches you up to that point where they said that at the beginning. That's mm. what's about to happen. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Once story time is done, we catch back up and we're like, all right, now you know everything you need to know. Let's continue. Perfect. So for those of you who were concerned when you heard one more story time, you thought, oh, my God, this is the twilight of Eric's life. He's about to die. He's going to tell us the last of his story and then die. It may be. That's that not may the, be the truth. Well, <laughs> actually, yeah, that hasn't happened yet. And it could happen. But yeah, who knows what what the day you know, holds for us. Nobody. My dirty little fingers are crossed that you're going to live, my friend. <laughs> so are mine. Oh, some, thank you. some days, not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's hey, be, let's be real. Been there. Yeah. Um, so a little Bev check here. Uh, Eric, and, and I'm, I'm telling this story on the podcast, I guess, because it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. Um, we've had, 
you know, this backlog episodes while you're traveling that we've posted. I was at a random gas station the other day in Aubrey, Texas. Oh, which for those I know of you where that who is. are, uh, yeah, near it's off 380 near Denton. Uh, yep. But you know, it's it's rapidly being built up, but still very much so out in the sticks. Correct. Right? Correct. Walked into this gas station that had a cooler full of goddamn Fago. Hell yeah. I was blown away. I took photos of it. I posted them in the Discord uh, the day that I, I found them. Uh, but I ended up picking up like two colas, a root beer, a flavor that you and I have not tried yet. And I'm going to be sending you your bottle pretty soon. So we'll be trying that in the next few weeks. Hell yeah. Unless, uh, you know, postal companies decide to just take the day off. They do. When I send very uh, frequently, <laughs> which is a very long conversation we've had off mic. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, uh, the, the, this morning already. I think all of these, you know, like USPS, UPS, FedEx, all of them, it reminds me of my friend telling me this story about when he was younger and he started a paper route to earn some money, but he mm. didn't really feel like delivering the papers. So he would mostly just drive to this wooded area near his house, like drive, ride his bike and just toss the papers over <laughs> because he didn't feel like delivering them. Uh, and I kind of feel like that's that's where we are as a society right now. <laughs> uh, can, can I? So that reminds me, I have a, uh, when I was probably like eight or nine years old, me and uh, a few of my buddies in the neighborhood, we, in the fall, wanted to make some extra cash. So we decided to do a, uh, a yard cleaning business, you know, a leaf like oh, raking yeah, and bagging sure. sort of business. Uh, so we went around and I think by the end of like the second day, you know, we did probably like three yards the first day, right? That's I think by the good. end of the three yards first day and made like $20, you know, oh, for shit. a nine years old, like that I was a millionaire, right? Yeah. Uh, by day two, I, I had already, you know, known the life of what a sweet, sweet fortune 500 company is. <laughs> uh, and so I, I was lax and I decided to, uh, I was like, you know what? Breaking leaves sucks, but earning money is cool. Maybe, you know, I can just spread the leaves around in a further, like disperse them even more. And they'll think, Oh, they cleaned up the bulk of the leaves. Kind of like um, when, when you have food on your plate and your mom is like, eat everything and you're like maybe if i just spread this out it'll look like i ate the things i didn't want to eat yes absolutely yeah no same thought process transferred to uh outdoor yard and leaves yeah and uh yeah that that just made me remind your story made me remind me uh well, myself of did that, that was, work uh, for you uh it worked on one house and then uh, <laughs> they were like looks good to me here's some money <laughs> yeah it worked on one hand clearly i think these people were just like okay these kids are like here's five dollars go away kind of thing you know what i mean yeah um like oh that was a fun little whatever but then uh i was like oh fuck yeah that absolutely worked thinking i made out like a bandit the next day my dad asked me to just as normal chores rake the leaves in our at our house so i went out back and i was like Oh, this is gonna be so easy. I know how to rake leaves now. And I just spread them out everywhere. <laughs> I like that, that your mentality was, I know how to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was a mastermind. And I remember my dad walking out like, You didn't pick up a single leaf. What what is all like you don't even have any bags of bagged up leaves that you like like <laughs> you were like, you, oh you shit. You didn't even fake it. Like, that did that didn't occur to me that I have no bags of leaves. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, my God, my stupid nine-year-old brain didn't even consider the fact that I I didn't have any bag leave for evidence. Yes, yeah, stupid. Well, I'll <laughs> stupid. tell you, hearing that story tells me a lot. I think it's that sort of hustle and ingenuity that has gotten you to this point in life. I like to fail upwards. Hey, if you can, that's the best way. Absolutely. I feel like most of my life has been failing upwards. I mean... It's better than failing downward, which I have excelled at. I would I would never fail downwards. In fact, I, I find it appalling to even to even consider such. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The only direction I fail is up. Yeah, uh, you know, because that's what winners do. And that's a winner's mentality. And y'all, this is no longer an ICP podcast. This is now a, a hustler's mentality podcast. Wake <laughs> up and grind podcast. Listen, I woke up. I ran 10 miles this morning. I shat. I ate, and then I decided to go ahead and just work a three-hour shift at the soup kitchen be- all before this podcast. Um, oh, wake up and grind, people. There's no there's no excuse. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> and I all still found the time to sit down with you and crack this delicious Fago pineapple orange. Oh, yeah, that's where we were going with this story. Yeah, we went on a tangent. Pine- up, I, um, if I remember correctly, we scored that very highly. Yeah, so so I guess to track all the way back to when we originally started the story, um, I freaked out and I saw a bunch of Fago and I just started grabbing shit. I grabbed eight bottles, two of which uh, were are the new flavor that Eric and I are going to try, one for each of us. I got a couple colas because I really like Fago cola. It's it's probably like one of my favorite. If I want like a I like I don't want a Coke anymore. If I want that taste, I'd rather have a Fago cola. Hell yeah! Um, I grabbed a root beer for root beer floats. Oh, and the root then, beer uh, is dope, though. Yeah, the, the root beer is great. And oh, my God, in a root beer float is fantastic. Hell yeah. I grabbed an orange, which was gone very fast. And then uh, I grabbed this pineapple orange, which did, I'm drinking today. When when you make a root beer float, do you use vanilla or are you some sort of psychopath that uses other flavors? Oh, always vanilla. OK, good. You should yeah, try making vanilla. an orange float with vanilla like a creamsicle. Oh, the, you know what? It's uh, you. <laughs> you want to know what's funny is that uh, on my TikTok, as you all know, I do you know gas station food bullshit, and I have people suggest me what I should try at the gas station, and this guy always suggests uh, like almost every video I post about gas stations. There's always his comment suggesting orange soda and vanilla soft serve. Uh huh. That's what I kind of just said. Uh, which is yeah, which is pretty much exactly what you just said. But I'm not gonna go to a fucking gas station and get soft serve. There's only one place to get soft serve. My pants. <laughs> <laughs> now I, that could go that could go one in two ways. <laughs> I mean, personally, I was talking about shit. Oh, okay. but... see, when you said it, I thought about your dick. But I always. Oh do. yeah, yeah. Oh no, dude! I serve that rock hard. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) this is two episodes in a row that we oddly are never mind let's just move on we're talking about uh head trauma today i think in this yes yeah head trauma something that i feel like i have after this intro indeed um everybody does (laughs) so we haven't reviewed hok for a long time it hasn't been that long i guess three weeks then huh yeah well so we we did things slightly out of order because 
of my travel we are trying to do. We also had a guest and things. So right. we did another story time before doing a House of Crazies review. So this is Correct. technically a week later than what it would normally be in the schedule, but our shit's all thrown off anyway. True, true, true. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess it felt like a long time, but a lot's been going on. So last HOK album we reviewed was Outbreed uh, a few weeks back, and now we're on 1996 album Head Trauma. Mm-hmm. Eric, it looks like you have a, a dearth of knowledge on this. I do. Um, Thanks to our good friend, Robbie. I, You know, I went in and did research. Love Robbie. And now, because we've got such an amazing resource as Robbie, I, I do my research and then I come to Robbie with questions. Hey, here are all the things that I found out from researching, which House of Crazies does not have nearly the amount of information or documentation that a group like ICP does. There, there of course. Are, yeah. Now, the only problem with ICP is sometimes you find things that are misinformation, aren't true, things like that. I'd be happy to just find misinformation about House of Crazies because there's just not <laughs> much out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I did what I've been doing lately is I'll do my research and then I go to Robbie with questions. And then Robbie, which I should catch on to this at some point, says... I already covered all of this on my Instagram and in the Twisted History channel of your Discord. And I go, oh, okay. I mean, he always directs me there, and there's always valuable information. But he also answers my questions about things that don't seem clear. So all this info that we've got is mostly thanks to Robbie. Not not all of it. Some of it I researched on my own, but he helped me correct some of the things that I researched that didn't seem right, and he helped clear yeah, up some yeah, stuff yeah. for me. Awesome. That's yeah. badass. Big shout out to Robbie. We love Robbie. Robbie is an absolute treasure because when it comes to documenting the history of Twisted and House of Crazies, there is, and I can tell you this from my research, not a single person out there putting in the type of work he is to preserve the history of this group and this music. So hopefully, right. hopefully our episodes drive some interest in this. Hopefully when you hear these, you go, oh, I want to go listen to that album. I want to check it out. And you can find most of them, you know, either downloading the tracks or if you really want to buy them, you can go on Discogs or one of those places. But most of them are on YouTube as well. But yeah, yeah, you can find pretty much all of their stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I wish you could find it on streaming services. God. Yeah. Same. I would listen to a lot more hok if you could honestly (laughs) i I bet but my hope with us doing these episodes is that it gets you interested in this that you are intrigued by what this group has accomplished and how they've influenced the scene in music in general and that you then go follow twisted history and learn a lot more or you join our discord and you jump in that twisted history channel and you learn about it because there's a lot to know and Google searches are not going to give you the info. So there's yeah, my Oh, rant. absolutely not. Yeah. There, if there, you wanna, there's my rant about how great Robbie is. Twisted History slash Robbie is Google for this stuff. Just right. know that right. for now. That's the way to do it. All right. So here's the info about this album, Head Trauma. Now, if you go on Wikipedia, it says that this album released on October 1st, 1996, but Robbie has a scan of the original Latinum Records order form that shows this releasing on October 30th, 1996, which kind of makes sense. I believe that's the correct date, and I'll get to why in just a moment. Uh, Something to note here, 
I was listening to this and thinking, gosh, and we'll talk a lot more about this, their sound and their voices have evolved. When we reviewed the very first House of Crazies album, Home Sweet Home, Paul and Brian were 20 and Jamie was 18-ish. They might have been, you know, a year younger, depending on what time, but like by year, that was roughly their ages. They might have been 19 and 17, you know what I'm saying? But by the time this album is being recorded or released, Paul and Brian, close in age, about 23, Jamie is 21. They are... They have gotten older. Like, I think that's a very cusp age, right? Late teens to early 20s are not the same thing. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you hear that evolution in these songs. Now, the album itself, if you remember when we talked about Outbreed, I think it was Outbreed, when they originally put it out, it was on cassette and CD. This one, only on cassette. Hmm. Yeah. Until that's strange to go back to just cassette yeah i don't know the reason i'm gonna say that it's probably a money thing because yeah, i'm gonna talk sense. about some of their money issues in a bit but you're i've referenced this very sus house of crazies bio that i found online that sort of tells their whole story and it literally says like verbatim they pressed it on tape even though they had the money to put it on cd as well i'm like that doesn't make any sense why, mm -hmm. why would you go out of your way to do that? So I don't know what the story is there, but it might have something to do with the fact that earlier that year, the ROC released a solo album called Exposed. Uh, so some of the money went to put that out. I think also only on cassette. I don't think that was on CD. If you haven't seen the cover, look at it because it's really something special. And mm -hmm. in talking to Robbie, something else very important happened that year. After hearing that ROC album, Exposed, ICP decided that they wanted the ROC to open for them on their Hallow Wicked Clowns tour in October of 96. This was the third year of Hallow Wicked. The first one was 94. So for this one, ICP decided to make it a tour instead of a single show. They wanted to do 10 shows. So they were going to start at a point and work their way back to Detroit for the last two nights on the 30th and 31st. Ah. Despite Jay pushing really hard for this just to be the ROC, if you remember, there was a little bit of bad blood between House of Crazies and ICP early on. I don't know if we talked about this a lot. It's in Jay's book, but House of Crazies used to you pull down ICP's show flyers and stuff, and they just really, there was a, a level of competition between them. So, right. Apparently, Jay was pushing really hard for it to just be Brian, but Brian did not want to do it alone and was really pressuring them to let House of Crazies do it. And ICP eventually gave in and said, OK, so this happened in 1996. House of Crazies and ICP toured. And this would have been that's big. This would have been like Riddle Box, I think. Did Tunnel of Love come out? I think Tunnel of Love had probably just come out. This was probably around the same time. Mm, I saw them in, about in the tracks, spring right after this tour. So mm, I saw them on I the gotcha. next one. But the tour kicked off at Trees in Dallas on October 15th. So now, badass. We know that they Dallas was one of their hubs during that Riddle Box tour. Remember, they, they put a finger on a map and said, we're going to go promote this thing on our own. And they just... Yeah. They hit Dallas hard. So it's cool that they started there, but also how fucking cool would it have been to see that show? 
That would have been God, that would have been so fucking awesome. Yeah, that would have been so. That would have fucking ruled. Yes, I wasn't even so. Okay, so that was what uh, you were two. You were two. Was that ninety six? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I wasn't even in Dallas at that point yet. I oh, still was in go. Florida. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that would have been fucking. So I can't even say, damn, they were here when I was because I wasn't here. <laughs> but I mean, having been to trees and stuff, like that would have been a cool oh, ass yeah. venue and show to see. Having been, to, uh, Eric, did you ever? play trees i never played trees i've i've been to two i think i've been to maybe three shows there i was able to play trees once that's cool awesome yeah it's very cool that i mean that venue has a lot of history i mean there's photos of fucking nirvana playing on that stage like yeah that venue has a lot of history i would have loved to see house of crazies and icp riddle box era at trees that would have gone fucking nuts when uh when we get that time machine That'll be a show yes. we definitely need to hit. Absolutely. And we wouldn't even have to r- worry about me running into myself because I was just a stupid bitch baby in Florida. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, so the tour kicks off in Dallas and continues up through some towns where they had a following. They they hit Kansas. They hit, I think, like St. Louis. Uh, they stopped in Toledo. They actually, because Toledo's so close to Detroit, they have a big following there. So they had two nights booked there. So first show went great. Second night, though, Jay gets a little wild, climbs a speaker stack and jumps into the crowd. But here's the thing. He fell straight to the ground, hits his head, knocks himself unconscious, breaks his collarbone. He's carried out unconscious. So because of that, the rest of the tour is postponed. So head trauma should have released on the first night of the Detroit shows. They were going to do the last two, 30th and 31st. It should have hit on the 30th, right at the end of that tour. Clearly, Mm. things did not work out that way. So they did drop the album. And after Head Trauma dropped, Jamie actually started recording another Mr. Bones solo EP. It was going to be called Something Weird. But he couldn't afford to press it on tape, so it just never came out. That's Ah. one of the things that makes me think, okay, they couldn't even afford to put out this Bones solo EP on tape, there's no way they just had a surplus of money and were like, you know what? We could put Head Trauma on CD, but we're not going to. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you on that one. You're right. Maybe that, Walter yeah. had the money and didn't want to spend it or something, but I don't know. You think they, Walter maybe was like, no, nah, I want to focus on the group rather than individuals yeah but i mean i don't i think walter maybe had the money to put out head trauma on cd and chose not to for some oh reason. yeah i don't you know i don't really know what it is i think unless they said look cds aren't selling only tapes are which would be weird in 96 i definitely think people were buying cds pretty heavily by that point and tapes were much less of a a focus but who knows what the reasoning is so that's something weird tape that jamie recorded Eventually, they do release the songs, but they came out bit by bit on Psychopathics from Outer Space and then the first two cryptic collections. So Mm. we will hear them eventually, but not as a single HOK release. Makes sense. Yeah. Apparently, after all that early dissing and hating on ICP, that tour that they did, which did pick back up in December, they did do the last several dates. I think they... They did a few, including the uh, Detroit ones in December. But I guess that tour helped them to reconcile and put their differences aside. And after that Hello Wicked tour, ICP asked House of Crazies to open for them on their upcoming tour to support their new album that was going to drop in the summer of 1997. Uh, The new album was going to be called The Great Malenko. Ooh, 
Yeah. Did they ever end up dropping it? They did twice, actually. And we're going to talk more about that tour on the next. (laughs) You're funny. But we'll talk. (laughs) We'll talk about that great Malenko tour on the next House of Crazies episode when we review 1997's Collector's Edition 97, plus some non album HOK songs that Robbie provided. But I think it's probably pretty telling that that will be our final House of Crazies episode before we start season six with proper twisted albums. There's a lot that happens there. I think we know that the release of Great Malenko was a little shaky. Well, that was an insane amount of information uh, that uh, was provided to us by you and Robbie. But yes, Robbie, big shout out. Thank you so much. Uh, Y'all, this goes without saying, if you're not following Twisted History on Instagram, you probably should be. Um, But I don't know why you wouldn't be. Hey, there's no I in team, but there is an I in Robbie. Hey, true. And two B's and an O. And an R and an E. And that pretty much runs the gambit of uh, what's in Robbie. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get to the review. Let's. We're going to start this out, as usual, with the album cover review. Now, we have a few here. The original release, which uh, obviously was uh, from 1996, cassette only, looking at it here, primarily green, two mm-hmm. different tones of green. Um, sort of a neon green and then more of like a muted sort of forest green. Yeah, um, the, the two greens don't uh, don't play well together. They're very nah, ugly greens next to each other. Yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, they're not very aesthetically pleasing. They they don't complement each other well. You see a photo of each of them sort of in their own headshots with their names under them at top uh, on the top, which is pretty cool. Then you have. The three of them together. And you can see the ROC is wearing a Dallas Mavs jersey. You know what's weird? Yes, I see that as well. But look at the little pictures of them at the top. And then the picture down below. I'm fairly certain their little headshots at the top are taken from the picture below. The head positions are the same. The expressions are the same. Uh, you can also see uh, in the in the picture at the top that's the the picture at the bottom together obviously is um reversed the colors are inverted so it looks like a negative yeah but jamie's rosacea is just kicking and he talks about that a couple of times throughout this album yeah yeah yeah. kind um, of an interesting thing that font by the way that's the the font for featuring and then their names hectic mr bones roc i am fairly positive and i'd have to look and compare but i think that's the same font that is used on the pumpkin carver single oh huh Interesting. There's a, a new House of Crazies logo. It's sort of like dripping blood. That's, that's a font. A, that's that, also a font. Yeah, yeah, it's not a that's not actual like a design stylized logo. design logo. Yeah. No, that's that's a font that you can find pretty easily. I um, like the other House of Crazies arched logo better, I think. This one is cool as like an alt, I guess. But I sure. feel like that other one, that one would should serve as like the main. I mean, that's that's a nice clean logo. Yeah. But also parental advisory, crazy lyrics. Boy, yo, 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 Crazy. I don't know why I said that, but K R A Z E made me want to say that. That's weird. I don't understand why. Uh, crazy lyrics. Yeah, I think that's how I read it. Is parental advisory crazy lyrics? <laughs> why did you? Why is that the voice in your head for reading that? I, I it just is. I don't know why. Okay. I wish I could tell you. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Then, you know, on the on the fold, you have side A, side B, barcode, all that stuff. You got the fax number still. Yep. Yeah. For Latin Records, which is awesome. 
Uh, then on the inside, you still have that sort of negative photo in the back, but this is black and white, primarily white background. You see that Latinum Records logo, which is also on the front, to be fair, on the spine. Yep. You see the Latinum Records logo, but it, I don't know, it kind of looks like they've been copy and pasting that a lot and it's losing resolution quality. <laughs> it just seems muddy. I don't know why. Um, but you have, uh, you know, the production credits and, and written recorded credits and then uh, some shout outs and stuff. There's some interesting shout outs there, though. Is so, there? I haven't read actually read into it yet. Give us some good ones. It says all samples provided by filling your shit music with a copyright, mm. which is interesting because I would assume that they just. I don't know, found samples they liked and put them in, not used a service. But I also am not sure that that's a real, you know, production service. Yeah. I don't think you can go to a website called Fill In Yo Shit Music and, oh, here's a good sample from a movie to put in our thing. I mean, unless they're talking about the type of samples that are like um, synth patches or something like that. I don't think so, but I thought that was interesting. Tape cover concept and design by Fly Guy Graphics, again, with a copyright logo. Hmm. We've got executive producer Walter Stepanenko. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting here says all the staff at Underground Sounds for pumping our shit up out in YPSI. And I think I'm going to guess that that YPSI is Ypsilanti, which is a city in De- like in Michigan near Detroit. That would be my mm. guess. But yeah, there's just, you know, some some strange things here. They thank hemp shops which I don't think there were any call girl services, hooker hideouts. They, they think a lot of weird things. Backyards and barbecues where people are bumping our shit. Yeah. Pumping for, our shit. No, that, yeah, um, that for sure. Listen, it's summertime. I got the burgers going. The kids are off of school for the summer. I invited the, the neighbors over. They're playing. Yeah. yeah kids are playing and, and we're just listening to some house of crazies while I'm grilling up burgers. Yeah. Uh, delicious you know we we've talked a a fair amount early on about the disc which is the studio where they would record uh that (laughs) icp likes to call the demo hut that's what jay called it in behind the paint because they they kind of knocked that studio we haven't Mm. seen actually even in the previous album when we talked about outbreed they mention another studio, but they don't mention the disc anywhere. This one says everybody who stops in at the disc to trip out while we're mixing. So I'm going to assume that they recorded this at the disc or maybe recorded this at Brian's house and mixed it at the disc or something. Either way, they, oh, worked, yeah, they worked with the disc studio. Hell yeah. We have three more releases to look at. Yeah, we have we have more album covers, but all that information will be common across most. Of these. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's go on to the next one then, and that is uh, the 2010 Independent CD release, which has that arched logo back. Yep. As well as a doctor performing some sort of surgery, and you can see a bunch of brain scans behind him, and then head trauma written in red, yep. and then parental advisory, wicked lyrics. Yeah, yeah. This The CD looks like it's got... And inside, it looks like it's got a piece of amber with bugs in it. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Which maybe this was a Jurassic Park reference or something. I don't know. The, the readability on this one is is pretty abysmal. 
Yeah, they used a font that's kind of tough to read. But I will say well, even on the even on the front, like the House of Crazy's logo is very easily like the bottom part of it is very easily lost in the brain scans because that's primarily a white background. Yeah, they I mean, it's legible if you're looking at it. They could have put a thicker strike around the House of Crazy's. Yeah. So it reads it pops a little bit more. I will say, though. I, just I like it's this sincere. album cover better than the original, which is uncommon. Most of the time when we're looking at them, I'm like, I love this DIY. This one, I think, looks cooler. Are there some design elements that they could have done a little bit better? Sure. But is this a cooler album cover? I think so. Oh, objectively, I would absolutely agree. If it's between this or the thing that looks like two different boogers flew out of my you know, <laughs> nose at the same time onto a, a piece of plastic... I'm picking this and that sounded mean. Yeah, uh, it, it's not like the the original release is a terrible looking thing or it's just this one looks better. Yeah. Could also, it look even better sure. than this? Absolutely. Yes. But this one is my preferred uh, one as well. They also fixed the spelling of Nosferatu. If you I don't know if you noticed. Oh, on, did they really? Oh, on, I on the original tape, that. it's spelled Nosferatu. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. That's hilarious. Yeah. This is an interesting <laughs> CD, though, because this came out in 2010 when they had been on Psychopathic for quite a while. Uh, they didn't leave the label until 2012, and I don't think they proper started MNE till 2014. But if they released this, I'm surprised that they either didn't because i think they did something on magic records before remember we talked about that yeah yeah that's right they did re-release one of them on psychopathic it's interesting that this one just came out with no real label or publishing info visible on it i'm actually uh surprised kind of surprised they didn't release it with psychopathic yeah i mean i feel like this would have been one that maybe would have made sense to do but okay they just did it on their own that way it's on cd and that's fine. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So then the next release now is the, uh, and I guess we could, maybe we can lump in the we next can, two. We can lump these together. Also, it will be zero surprise that both of these 2018 Magic Ninja cassette and vinyl keep with the theming that we've seen on all of the previous MNE releases. All of the re Yes, right. absolutely. It's it's H-O-K with the pumpkin mask as the O and yeah. then the name of the album under it. And this one's in in green, uh, right? To yeah. just yeah, pay yeah, homage that to the sort of greedy gradient from yellow to green. Now, this it, whether it's a light green to a richer green or yellow to green, the colors they chose here go beautifully together. Oh, they go perfectly together. And Absolutely. on the vinyl, that the green and yellow records look fucking dope. The vinyl looks amazing. Honestly, the tape looks pretty cool. Too. Like, I, I'm really digging how the tape looks. Yeah. Did you notice the um, inside of the tape has the brain scans? All those brain scans. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking sick. Yeah, these re-releases look great. Yeah. I'm I'm now realizing how fucking cool it would have been to have, like, the full set of vinyl or tapes because they have such a consistent design. They look really good. Yeah. No, I, I, really, uh, I really think... I think 2023, I'm going to make a genuine effort to collect all the vinyl uh, of the re-releases, probably. I've only got one so far. Which one do you have? I think I have Home Sweet Home, the first one. Mm. Okay. I have to look. I'm pretty sure that's the one I've got. I know a few of them I've looked on Discogs to purchase, but I haven't, I haven't actually pulled the trigger on anything. Well, those are the album covers. Yeah. 
And that is that. Uh, so let's go ahead and get on then to the uh, track by track thoughts. Now, this is uh, this is kind of a long one. I mean, it was an hour release. Yep. Uh, we've got 16 songs. Yep. And let's go ahead and get started with the, the first one, an intro track called Escape. What are your thoughts? So this is this intro track is a skit, basically. It's the only yeah. real skit type thing on the album. There really aren't any other things like this. But from what I can make out, we've got some sort of patients, mental patients being dropped off to a facility via a helicopter. Where are they being dropped off? I don't know. I don't think it's a hospital because I've never seen or heard of a hospital that's uh, divided up into sectors and they keep referencing sector five. So yeah, I don't know if this is a military facility or research or something like that. They've got so they've got these dangerous sedated patients that are restrained and drugged and once they have them drugged up, for some reason, they decide to remove the restraints and these uh, maniacs go crazy and they're screaming to lock down Sector 5. And I have to assume the concept here is that these dangerous patients are the members of House of Crazies. This is a very House of Crazies type intro. This is the cleanest skit type thing that they've done so far. The production and thought and execution really comes together on this and i this was a pretty hype start i was like stoked i'm like okay here we go what what were your thoughts yeah uh a lot of the same i from what i gathered with this was that these crazy people were uh the members of house of crazy the patients rather were the members of house of crazies and i think this skit is produced very well uh it's very interesting to listen to it doesn't go on too long. It gives you a good story. It, it, even just the verbiage that they use, right? The, you know, breach in sector five or, you know, saying, you know, the just normal jargon of 60 cc's of morphine and stuff like that. Like they really went in on making, making you feel like you're in, in it, right? The part where they, love- where they drug them up. It really messes with my brain every time I listen to it because you get this sort of, weird like tracking like echo and yeah it makes yeah. you really feel it like you are in the the shoes of the person being drugged and it it reminded me of like if you've ever gone in for surgery or i guess electively used uh nitrous that feeling of like starting to right drift and sink uh, under the influence of of the nitrous and then pass out that's kind of how it felt listening to it i actually thought that part was done really well yeah that part was done insanely well um i also i love just a little conversation between the two uh doctors or whatever right before letting them out you know saying like okay like you know you're drugged up you're gonna act civilized we're gonna have to tie you down not if you understand Oh, uh, and then it's like, you think we should let these guys out? Well, you know, is it safe or whatever? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, these guys are in La La yeah, Land. Go ahead. Yeah. And then it was just immediate fuck up. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, I really like this. It, it put me in the mood to hear what head trauma is. Yeah. And this is the only thing on the album like this. I'm, I'm I, hopefully that's not ruining the next 15 songs we're going to review. But this is not a theme that they're presenting. This is a standalone. Just what it is. We do not, from what I can tell, 
go through the rest of the album following any sort of story or structure or theming from this. Absolutely not. But I would have fucking loved it if that was the case. Yeah, it would have been kind of cool. All right, let's move on to track two. This one's called Paranoid. Uh, It's a it's a cover of the Black Sabbath song. (laughs) It's not. What were your thoughts on Paranoid? You know, they really gave it uh, its own voice by covering it, by uh, completely (laughs) rewriting the entire thing. (laughs) Not using any musical elements or lyrics. Yeah, no, it was strange, but it was a bold choice, but it worked. Yeah, so uh, we get into Paranoid. Uh, The beat is super interesting. The flows are a little okay, but it's very busy. And at first I was like, okay, maybe this is too busy for me. But then I kind of realized the fast delivery of the vocals over this interesting beat the vibe it kind of forces this vibe that conveys paranoia very well they're they're conveying their paranoia i think think um in in the way that they're delivering these lines uh so although uh, the flows seemed a little bit busy i guess at first when i really got it see sat down and, and got into it a little bit more i think it was a genuine stylistic choice that they made yeah i think so i think the sampled hook is pretty cool um, fear is the most powerful emotion of the human race and, uh, fear of the unknown is probably the most ancient, which, uh, looks like mustard has transcribed that that was sampled from fear in the dark, which is a, uh, documentary about, uh, the history of horror films from 1991. That's cool. I think that hectic and Mr. Bones, uh, had pretty strong showings for the first song, but man, I think the ROC came out swinging on this one. His verse was fucking sick. His his flows were uh, were tight. He, yeah, he just he just came to came out swinging with this one. I, I was really impressed with the ROC on it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, also, he he had a Jeffrey Dahmer line and like at the very <laughs> I'm remembering of his verse, which is funny because that's weirdly topical right now. Thanks so to Netflix. topical. Yeah. So so current. Very current. He makes, he makes another very topical and current reference later on the album, and I'll talk about that. Ooh. Uh, my thoughts were, as soon as the song started, if I had never heard this album and without context you put this song on, I would have been like, oh, this is House of Crazies. Because it's got yeah. that, that cool sample at the beginning. The beat feels very House of Crazies. But then as soon as they start in with vocals, I'm like, whoa. You're bringing something to this that you've never done on previous albums. Jamie comes in hard with those fast flows and it feels just great at first. I feel like he is the train is about to go off the tracks at one point or another because it feels like he's almost losing track of it. But I almost think it's supposed to feel that way. But uh, this I think they all sounded great on this, which is a common thing across this album. This is the one where they I don't want to say all find their voice and style. We've been talking about things starting to come together and they're starting to sound more like themselves and they're starting to find their their ability as as an MC. This album and this song shows that off, but it also shows off that they're they've got some some development still to go. Uh, This song was cool to me because it gives me some some cool Keith like dr octagon vibes the first dr octagon Hmm. album actually came out just earlier that year like five months before this and that album made some waves like as like a i don't know i mean cool keith claims to have invented the term and genre horrorcore i don't know if that's 
I, I don't agree with it, obviously, but right. for being one of his biggest mainstream successes outside of being involved with, you know, a single here or there or something, that album had a lot of horror elements to it. But it also Dan, the automator was the producer on it and stuff. It had a lot of really distinct sounds and stylings to it. It was distinctly cool. Keith as well. I love that fucking album. Blue Flowers was my shit. That was the first song I heard, and it just pulled me in. But there is a lot about this track, Paranoid, that feels like it was inspired by that album. That may or may not be true. It might have nothing to do with it. But I can't help but wonder if maybe hearing that album had some influence on them writing this song. And I I also think out of that intro... This is the best song on the album to put here, I think. I think that's this is the this is the right first track. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. After going through the entire album, obviously, I think that this this song only makes sense the most here. Yes. Agreed. Moving on to track three, the song If This Is Love. We're gonna find out <laughs> right now. Eric, what are your thoughts? Uh <laughs> is is it love for me? No. However, the samples in this song crack me the fuck up. Uh, it's it's really it's it's a one of the more clever and fun tracks that they put together. I don't think the beat is bad, but there's something about the samples in the mix that just make it feel very homemade, which I know it is. And that goes for the rest of this entire album. There's something that feels distinctly like one guy sitting in his bedroom with uh a drum machine in a Casio. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And this has those vibes. All of it has that vibe. Uh, I don't know how to describe the production on this album, but after those first two songs, once you get through the intro and Paranoid and this, you fully know what to expect for the rest of it. It's a very consistent sound and production, almost to a fault. It's so consistent. But it, I can't really describe this. Listening to this song... The production feels equally more high quality and professional than what they've put out before, but also very amateur. It almost sounds like uh, an amateur sat at home and made these tracks, then took them to a studio and had somebody mix them, which is I'm 100 percent sure exactly how this worked. But maybe this is just what the evolution of House of Crazy sounds like. I think one might one thing that you might say is that this album I've heard people even say this, that this album sounds more like Twisted. Two songs in, I will say that Paul and Jamie's voices have evolved to basically sound like what you're going to hear on Most Tasteless. But the production, the beats, the sounds, all of it still feels very House of Crazies to me, including this track. I've been saying for the past two releases that Paul and Jamie are starting to sound like the Twisted versions of Paul and Jamie. And I think that here we can hear yet another step in that evolution of House of Crazies bridging that transition to Twisted even a little bit more. I think you're going to have a really easy time transitioning from House of Crazies to Twisted when we start doing those reviews because they are incrementally step-by-step taking you there. Every step we go gets closer. However, this sex song, which we were introduced to their sex songs on the last album, (laughs) feels very House of Crazies. Uh, I don't love this song. I think it's just fine. Look at my penis. Those are my thoughts. I love. Okay, so I think the samples are like the 
biggest redeeming quality on this song. And I'm not saying that saying like, I hate the song. This song is just, it exists. Yes. Kind of thing. You know, um, it's fine. It's pretty funny at times, but the samples look at my penis. Do you like it? <laughs> Why? Look how wet my vagina. Is. <laughs> it's so funny. I like whatever it's that's so from good. is just so goofy. And the, the repeating like pitched up, look at my penis at the end is just, it had me laughing. It's funny. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. Uh, the samples are great. Yeah, the beat is very much so a home cooked beat. Uh, <laughs> the uh, production makes it a little hard to understand this song at times, but there's not really much that you really want to understand on this song. It's a fun sex song, right? That's yeah. all it is. It's one of the ROC. few more themed tracks on the album, though. There's not I'm a true. lot of these yeah. that, that are hard themed. Most of them are we built a beat. Now, write a verse and it doesn't matter what it's about because it's not themed. It's just us kind of talking our thing. So this is one of the more themed tracks on the album. Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult to find. And I think I talk about this uh, in a later track in my notes, but it's difficult to find the themes on this album because there's really not much. Yeah, no. it's just like you said, build a beat and write a verse to it. And that's fine, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the ROC killed it on this song, but I think you're right. Uh, and I kind of I have it just to tip. I'm not don't want to tip my hand too much, but in my overall notes a little bit, I kind of mentioned, you know, the few twisted tracks that I have heard before getting into this sound a lot like how, the you know, Jamie and Paul are sounding now yes. and how they're delivering now. So I think you're right. I, I think that this is just they're just ramping me up to most tasteless at this point. Absolutely. And I, I would say that I agree with you on the point that the ROC is the standout on this track. I think that Paul and Jamie's voices changed and evolved the most, but the one who has evolved as a lyricist and an MC the most so far over these HOK albums is the ROC for me. Absolutely. Is Dwayne The Rock Johnson for me? Yeah, he did say rock at one point in one of the songs, but he's the ROC. <laughs> true, true. Um, also, one sample that we did not say out loud, but I feel like I should probably say before we move on is I want to fuck on her bed so she'll smell me on her sheets. Gross. Disgusting. I, ha I hate it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to track four. This one is called March. Tell me your thoughts on March. I'm not a fan of this beat, but... I feel like there's so many other things in this song that redeem it to me. It, like there's really good lyrics in here. There's really good flows in here. The samples are really fucking cool from Madhouse, but there's just these low horns in the beat that are just, they're not pleasing to listen to. I don't like them at all. At all. Yeah. I think the ROC, I, <sighs> just going in on this the stephen king of rap the freddy krueger with this hellish sound fucking like so dope my favorite roc line in this is slack off no i don't I jack off saying, yes i do looking I at the pretty girls in the books made that. me want to there you go i was literally about to say that one that one was that is such a fucking funny line yeah, um but yeah this uh <laughs> I think that, that the ROC kills it on the first verse here. Absolutely. You know, Jamie and Paul still 
solid, solid flows, solid uh, uh, lines. Uh, in fact, just a spirit floating above the casket. It's drastic, suffocated with the plastic sandwich bag. I'll make it stretch like elastic. That whole run is fucking dope. Yeah. Stretch the industry um, like elastic. So fantastic. That's a industry. That's, that's a twisted line. Oh, it, OK. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that run, that whole run right there is, is super dope. Yeah, they went in hard as hell on this song over a terrible beat. I I, I feel like there's one more just uh, song that's like what I'm about to say, but the complete opposite on this release. Uh, this song, I would love to take the vocals and everything that they have and just throw it on a new beat or just take the beat and take the horns out. So I think the beat could be fine out, uh, without them. Whereas I think there's a a song later that I want I want to do the opposite where I want to take the beat and throw away their lyrics. Does that make sense? Yeah. Also, just to be clear, there are no horns or any other instruments on any track. This is all from a keyboard. It's oh a, yeah, yeah. It's no, a keyboard it's, patch that's kind of got that sound. Right, right. This is not a a produced. They didn't bring in a horn section. They didn't even sample to do horns. anything. They no, just, no, no. You know. They this is just a patch sound on a keyboard. Yeah, yeah. You know, awesome. what are your thoughts on this? One? I feel like this is the one track on the album I have the biggest production issues with because I, I, I think there are big mixing issues here. That synth yep. riff that you're talking about is way too loud. When it gets to Jamie's verse, his vocals are way too low. He's that synth line is competing with his vocals. It's not it's oh, not yeah. a good mix there. The song is called March, but it's not really about anything specific. I do like, however, that they all make a point to incorporate the word March into their verses. It kind of gives some cohesion to the entire song. There is not a lot to say about this one for me, aside from it's the one track on the album, the one glaring outlier that I feel like has some problems with the mix. There's a few where I kind of had some small production issues with, but yeah, this is this is the big one. It's sure. the it's the one that stood out. All the other stuff you can accept a small little thing here or there. Every album has something. Oh yeah, yeah. every yeah everything has something. Yeah. Well, hey, let's go ahead and move into the next track. Up oh, back to reality. Let's slip into reality. Eric, what are your thoughts on slip into reality? So as soon as it starts, we've got that sample at the beginning. Feels very House of Crazies. I liked hearing that. I like the music and the beat right up till there's this crappy, happy keyboard hook. And I'm like, what is this and why is it in this song? I do. I hate that. What we'll call the hook part. I think it destroys this song. I think it ruins this song. But the biggest thing about this song is it got to Paul's verse and I did a fucking double take because he reuses this whole verse almost word for word with a few small tweaks in the last track on Most Tasteless, which is called Renditions of Reality. Huh. I think if this song musically didn't fucking suck, it'd be kind of cool. Honestly, most of what's here on this track is cool, but that goofy, happy Casio keyboard part just keeps coming up to ruin the song for me. And I'm like, I'm just going to go listen to Renditions of Reality because that song is fucking great. But right. I, I, what were your thoughts without any of that context on Slip Into Reality? True. Yeah, I have. So I have no none of the most tasteless context with this one. But God, that sample, as soon as I heard that, I I was like, I am listening to House of Crazy. Yep. Because it is just so on brand for them. You know, and I feel like this song, it doesn't have 
a hard theme, I don't think, you know, very hard theme, but I feel like it has a, a an overall uh, overarching theme of uh, dealing with death in your adult life. They all bring it up sure. in their verses uh, for sure. I think that the, the lyrics and, and, and the flows are awesome. I think the beat is, is okay. Yeah. That happy synth part sucks. Uh, I agree. I, I kind of was am able to look past it. Maybe after I listen to most tasteless, I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm no longer going to look past that. Uh, (laughs) I I don't want to, like, give this away, but Renditions of Reality is such a good song. It's just such a dope song. (laughs) And the music and everything, it's just got such a vibe. And it doesn't have any happy, like, Casio synth part that pops into the (laughs) end. So... Yeah, I feel that. I agree with you, by the way, that the chorus sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, chorus definitely sucks. Also, I really love the line. Instead of Chevy's, my ho- homie's rolling in the back of a hearse. You know, it's worse. It's too hard to cope with some days. Murderous ways leaving me sick in a daze. Those are my thoughts. Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, move ourselves on to track six. This one's called No Way. No Way. No Way. No Way. (laughs) What are your thoughts on No Way? (laughs) Very creepy vibes uh, with this beat, but there's like some musical. There's no hook on this. There's a a place for a hook on this track, but no hook on it. It does have that weird Casio keyboard thing going on for the hook again. Not quite as out of place as the previous one, but it's there. It's. It meshes better here, but it's it's uh, yeah, it's still I don't like that is that interlude uh, is what I'm calling it. The musical interlude. Yeah, I don't fucking like that. I wish they would just take that out and just go straight from verse, verse, verse to verse to verse or maybe write a hook for it and cover it up. The flows were solid. I think overall this kind of a so so song for me. It, it felt very it felt House of Crazies, but it didn't feel like it was anything distinct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, and at this point, we're what? Five, uh, six. six tracks in? Yeah. yeah. Uh, out of 16. So we got 10 more to go. But it's it's not bad a bad song, but I'm not going to run to go back and listen to it. Uh, it just exists. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to agree with you on that. Aside from not liking that, just the, the music in general, that the keyboard thing going on for whatever the hook is, I will say that all three of them are crushing it as MCs. Like I listen to the song and I'm like, they sound great here. If the last album was the one where we thought the ROC really found his voice and style, I think this is the album where all three at least synced up style-wise. And I think they figured out where they were going as individuals in a group a little bit more. I think they figured that out here. And they all sound good on this song. They all sound good on this album. But with that said... All of these tracks so far are kind of mid-tempo with similar style production and similar style sounds and not particularly distinctive thematic elements or hooks or anything like that that makes them stand out. So even by six tracks in, to me, they already feel like they're starting to blur together. We, you know, we we don't have standout elements. We don't have something that if I say hum me part of no way or sing me part of the hook. You'd be like, I don't know because they all just kind of feel bland in that regard. We've also got super similar delivery by them on all of these songs. So there's just not a lot of variety so far. 
And there's very little that makes these songs stand out as unique from each other. With that, you're going to be hearing me say that a little bit later as well. Right, right. Yeah. Overall, this song is fine. It's fine. It is fine. But yeah, if you ask me to repeat any anything from this song, uh, I I wouldn't say I don't know. I would say no way. (laughs) You're so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go and move on to the next track. Nosferatu track seven. (laughs) I wanted to try and get something clever for it, but I'm my brain's done with trying to be stupid. Nosferatu. (laughs) In the background of this song, and I feel like we talked about this on one of their other tracks, it sounds like there are puppies or kittens yelping or howling in the background of it. I don't know if that's what it is or if it's just a keyboard sort of sound, but I would say that thematically, this is the first horror-themed song on the album. The others might have some horror-themed lyrics or a line here or there, but I think this is the first horror-themed song about being a vampire, which is why they called it Nosferatu. Uh, There's some weird references in this song, the one that I want to point out is Jamie says, I've got one eye. It's red like R2-D2, which is weird to me because from what I can tell, the closest thing R2-D2 has to an eye is a black lens. There is a blue and red light, but his eye, his eye, if that's his eye, is not red. And red is not a prominent color in anything going on with R2-D2. Right. So yeah, no, R two D two does not have a red eye. No, I don't think so. It, which is a strange R2-D2 choice. R two D two was smoking the reefer. Yeah, I don't. Maybe maybe there's something there. But I think in that line, red and black are one syllable. You could have swapped out that word; it wouldn't have changed the rhyme scheme or the cadence. Oh yeah. Anyway, seven songs in, and uh, I've got to say, musically. Production wise, I am really missing the days when they used to like sample like alt rock and metal songs and things. I just feel like all this production is too similar from one track to the next. Yeah, all the songs have individual and unique music from one to the other, but there's just not much here that's interesting or that differentiates one track from another. Overall, though, I think this song is pretty cool on its own. I think if it was isolated from the album and you just let me hear this, I'd probably think it was cool. But after the previous songs, musically, this one hardly stands out to me. What are your thoughts? You know, this song, yeah, it's a lot of the same, the the delivery styles and stuff and such. But I feel like this song had a, a, a distinct, a distinct yet subtle change up from what we've heard from the previous six tracks i feel like i can't quite put my my finger on it but uh it's a good track beats pretty cool um yeah they talk about vampires and and shit i mean it's very on brand for them i feel like this is a very on brand song for house of crazies yeah but yeah yeah i don't have too much on this one because you know it's it's they're doing a lot of the same stuff that they are doing on this album, but they, I feel like this one felt a little more distinct and had a little bit more of a voice than, say, No Way does, um, or even maybe even slip into reality, you know? I think so. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's move on to track eight. This one's called Don't Follow Me. Tell us about Don't Follow Me. Well... I feel like this beat is very similar to everything else we've heard on the album so far. Wait, wait, wait. You think that? 
Maybe. I mean, not from the ones that we distinctively hated on. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. I know this is, you know, you're, you're telling your thoughts, but you said that. Let's have a conversation. I think. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. I think this is the first track that does give us some different sounds right from the beginning. Yes, it still has those simple like one finger Casio riffs. But I think on this track, I assume Brian did the production on all of these. I think he actually uses the resources he's working with pretty well here. Yes, it's the same tools and instruments, but this one mm. actually sounds a little different. Sounds kind of cool. At least the the pieces are used and utilized and mixed and he uses effects and stuff properly to, I think, more effectively use the tools he's got to make a track that sounds a little more professional and different that was my thoughts on this one so okay so so i guess to sum up your thoughts on the beat you feel like it is a more enhanced version of what we've been having so far uh, i think it's i think it yes you can tell it's part of the same production but it's one of the few that i think doesn't just sound like simple keyboard patches that there's some additional layers and elements to it and what is there has been used in a more efficient and effective manner I think. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess I, that was lost on me. I, yeah. I feel like this beat is very similar uh, to what we've heard, uh, but maybe I'll go back and listen. I've li I listened to this album three times, by the way. I know usually I mention how many I listen to. I, uh, I've done listens two I got in. full listens and two partial listens. Cool. Cool. Okay. So about the same then. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I did about three listens. Man, I might have to go back and listen to this one track just to see what you're, you know, maybe listen to it through the lens of, of your thoughts on the beat. I think the flows are fine. I think it's pretty cool. You get a, a Latinum uh, records shout out in here, the Latinum uh, records with the Latinum mob, Punky Brewster reference, which uh, was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like that's kind of, when was the original Punky Brewster? Was this, would that be a dated reference at this point? Yeah, probably deliberately. So that would have been mid to late eighties. And there's another, there's a, like two tracks ago, two tracks previous. There was like a, oh no, it wasn't two tracks previous. I think it was on, if this is love, or maybe it was on paranoid. One of the early ones, uh, there's a Richie Valens reference, there, uh, yeah. which I felt was pretty dated. There's another um, dated reference here at that time. It would have been dated. Uh, the only person I idolize is Adam West, which would have been well after the Batman TV show was on TV and well before Adam West kind of had his pop culture resurgence. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, I feel like they grew up with their grandparents. Well, I mean, you know what I mean? I remember watching that show in reruns and I remember watching punky Brewster and the punky Brewster cartoon when I was a kid and they are hmm, two to four years older than me, depending on who you're talking about. So, mm. I mean, I, Yes, I think they're intentionally drawing from their childhood lyrically in some of these things. The Richie Valens one, very weird. Yeah, that one, uh, that came out of left field. I, I had to fucking Google him. He died in 1959. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the day like, the music died. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was uh, he was on the fucking plane crash. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, good times. Well, those actually weren't, but. You get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I, I feel like don't follow me. You know, the flows are, are, are solid. The beat is a lot uh, of the same, in my opinion, from what we've had. And, and uh, I feel like we're getting a lot of the same uh, vocal delivery styles. Yes. Right. And no matter how much you change up a beat or or 
variety of beats. I feel like you almost need to have some delivery styles. You need to change up your delivery style a few times in, in a 16 track album, right? I think, yes, changing up the delivery style a little here and there. I think changing up your your tempos a little bit here and there, put a faster song, put a slower song, you know, something like that. Put a themed song, you know, something that's that's hard themed here or there. I think yeah. all of those things would serve to add some variety and uh, change the pacing. When I got done with this album, I had to look at how long it was, and I was blown away that it was an hour long. I thought it was way longer. Oh, I thought I I spent a good hour and a half Same. with the first time I listened Same. to it. Yeah. And I, I, I think one of the barest minimum things that could have been done to break it up a little bit would have been uh, right after Nosferatu, add in a, a short skit interlude track that continues on with them terrorizing this sure. facility that they're loose in. And then, you know, put one more towards the end, right? Uh, we do have an interlude track would, near the end that has nothing do, yeah. to do with the, but the it, yeah, intro. but it doesn't have anything to do with the uh, the yeah yeah it's not cohesive with the beginning yeah the album um, has pacing issues that's that's part of the problem yes yeah yeah but outside that I think talking about the pacing issues is is getting ahead of ourselves maybe it's not maybe it is um, aside from actually appreciating the music on this one a little bit more the other thing that I'd say stand out is that this song has a hook most of these so far haven't had a distinctive hook some of them have a break where a hook would go in samples i don't think a song needs a hook to be good or to be memorable but i think in in rap and in hip-hop having a strong hook can really be key to having a memorable song not always but i like that this one does and i think it sounds pretty cool this is technically on the tape this song would be the end of side one i think this is probably the best track on this side to me so far I agree. I think Jamie's verse is the standout here because I picked up on those lines. Fashion fuck up like my name was Punky Brewster, which is funny. Yeah. The Adam West line. I also noted the making records for the Latinum mob. I don't think they've ever shouted out Latinum prior to this. I was going to ask you if they had. No, I don't think um, so. Because I, I, I was trying to think back and I couldn't couldn't remember a time that they did. No, I think that's it. But yeah, I think this is a standout song on this side of the album, which doesn't say much for an album that so far doesn't have big standout tracks. There's there's nothing on this side that I'm like, that's the single. You know what I mean? I think the track I would pick if I had to for that personally would be Paranoid on this first side. Uh, yeah, um, Paranoid or this one would be my picks. I got you. Well, hey, let's go ahead and move on to side B with track nine, Hypno. What are your thoughts? I feel like, you know, I, I talked about there only being one song where I thought had big production issues. I don't know that this one has production issues, but I think that the production quality on this track is lower than the rest of the album. Vocals feel a little bit muffled. Maybe they used a different mic for this or something. Yeah, I I think that this just feels like a less clean production to it. This beat also has a lot more of a West Coast vibe to it to me compared to the rest of the album so far. Jamie's got the hook on this one. And it's interesting because I'm listening to it. And I'm like, God, this sounds familiar. And I realize that his delivery, his cadence, his his vocal tone, everything about it sounds really similar 
to his hook on Jump Steady's song, The Chaos Theory. I know you listened to that. I think I put it on our list at one point. I talked about it in our previous episode. I'm going to put them next to each other here. And that way you can uh, you can decide whether you think I'm crazy. But I thought that was cool. Also, Jamie makes another Star Wars reference in this song, and it will not be the last Star Wars reference on this album. I'm here for it, uh, as long as they stay somewhat accurate, unlike that R2-D2 one. Also, <laughs> this is the second song on the album. We didn't talk about the first one, but I mentioned this when we were talking about the album cover, where he references his rosacea, which is interesting to me because I don't feel like I ever really noticed that on Jamie prior to this album where he talks about it, where you can see it. Maybe it's because they cover their face in white paint for Twisted and I don't see, although they've done plenty without the face paint as well. I mean, it's not like you never see their faces or anything. I just didn't realize, I didn't, I didn't realize that was something that he was dealing with at that time. And it's interesting that he keeps talking about it on this. Paul's verse again, makes me realize how much House of Crazies makes it into the first Twisted album. I'm listening to Paul here and I'm like, wow. And I think a lot of people, because they heard Twisted first, go, oh, there's this album sounds like Twisted. And I don't think that's true. I think this evolved version of House of Crazies sounds, you know, those sounds make it into Twisted. I think Twisted early on sounds like House of Crazies. Right. The end of this song is fucking weird, though. Because there are mix issues here, number one, that emphasize how weird it is. But they do this whole like trade-off thing where Jamie's like listing off people, that guy over there, this person, you. And the ROC is going, bite my balls. And he, he keeps saying it. And the bite my balls parts are so much louder in the mix than everything else. <laughs> They're so loud. <laughs> also, bite my balls is such a weird phrase in general. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like suck my dick, kiss my ass. All of those things. Yes. But bite my balls is a weird one. Uh, This is a weird track. What are your thoughts on Hypno? (laughs) My big thing is definitely the bite my balls part. (laughs) Uh, I feel like so this beat. I feel like is is very much so different. I think you're right. It's it's got a different vibe than uh, the rest of the beats that we've listened to so far. I also think that, uh, you know, the flows are sick. I really like the the chorus. It's been a, while, a minute since I've listened to Chaos Theory, and I listened to it, like, once. So yeah. I'll have to go back and, and listen to that album again and definitely listen to that chorus in, in particular again. You should. After this. Just because it's a good uh, well, album to listen I will to. when I listen back to the uh, episode. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think the chorus is pretty good. Uh, there's one note that I have here is that uh, there's so much of this album left and I can't imagine they're doing a bunch of different things in the last seven songs. You know what I mean? You're right. (laughs) And yeah, and I did, I did end up being right. Uh, (laughs) But we'll get to that uh, in a while. But um, I feel like this song, it was different enough though. There's production issues. Sure. The, the big part about this one was the production issues. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. this one, this song was different enough. And, and I, I can, I can let, you know, 
I like that for them. Right. Um, also, you're talking about um, so so the rosacea line. I got rosy red cheeks, like my fella Chris Kringle, although he's the N word. <laughs> Which, but do you think that put him on the naughty list that year? No, I think I think Santa would be like, okay, you shouted me out. Uh, yeah, I guess the shout out might might have negated the the naughty list. But kicking jingles, my shit is the bomb like a can of Pringles. And then fill your ass up with a delicious jam. <laughs> um, yeah. Best part about it. Don't need no bruises on your hands. Cool. W- where did that come from? I don't know. I don't know. That that line was so out of left field that I was just I was blown away by it. Uh, and I wanted, I wanted to talk about it. But this song was different enough. Unfortunately, uh, there was there's a lot of production issues. I would love to hear the song with those issues fixed, though. I don't know if I'd love to hear it, but I would uh, have preferred it if they fixed those things that. Well, definitely that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to track 10. R.I.P. Tell me your thoughts on the R.I.P. song. R.I.P. Intro by the R.O.C. This song kind of has like a slower vibe than than uh, some of the other ones that we've listened to on this album so far. Uh, the beat is slow, s- slower, slower than what we've had. And pretty cool. I kind of like the vibe, bi- the vibe. And they're working with the beat really well. You know, it's it's easy. And I feel like we talked about this a little bit with in our conversation with Lars, uh, MC Lars on that episode. Um, it's easy to go really fast on a beat and just rip your flows out you know what i mean but working with a slower beat and and putting in some pauses and working and switching up your vocal style your patterns and stuff like that takes a good amount of skill to do i feel like they did that relatively well here on this song slower vibe than than what we've heard no uh no chorus or anything like that but uh it's it's just each one of them laying down a a pretty solid verse or your thoughts I think 10 songs in, it would be difficult on this album to write a track that stands out to me. But this one does, actually, surprisingly. I, I agree. Yeah. I really like this beat. Yeah, there are similar elements to the rest of it, but it's got this slow kind of feel to it. There's just enough musically that I think sounds cool. I like that they've used some effects here to give it a vibe and add some presence to it. I love how they lay down their verses. It's got a little more of that sort of spooky horror feel overall to it. Uh, Way more than the rest of the album has so far, I think. And to me, this is the song at this stage that best represents what I think an evolved version of House of Crazies sounds like. If I had to pick one song from this album to show to somebody and say, here's what House of Crazy sounds like at this point, this is the one, maybe this isn't the one that, that I would show them to best represent because it's not representative of the rest of the album, but maybe this is the one that I'd say, I wish this is what all but, of, you know, right. in an ideal scenario, this is what an evolved version of HOK sounds like at this point. But I liked it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I uh I think we're in agreement on this one. I think we're in agreement on this one. Cool. Uh yeah, definitely not one that I would say this is House of Crazies at the time, but I would say I you know, I would show them another song and then I'd say but they also did this and I fucking love it. Right. Right. I mean, I think <laughs> when I think of what would I expect or want House of Crazies to sound like at this stage, this is the song 
that would be an example of that. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Let's go ahead and move on then to the next track. The next track is just an interlude called Interlude. Uh, Thoughts? Why is this not track nine? Why is this not the beginning of side two or the end of side one? It's it's in a weird spot. It is. I Um, agree. So this interlude is an interlude. People are talking. There's a, a beat that sounds kind of like a custom ringtone for a Nokia 1100. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just the ROC talking about how people need to support them. And like you go, you don't go after famous people, but you do come after us. I don't know. And then he says he shouts out Tupac and Easy and says that he loves them. I love you guys. Like, yeah. Did you know them? Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is a throwaway. They didn't need to put this on here. I didn't care for it. What did you think? I I have uh, two thoughts written down. The first one was, why did they put the interlude three tracks into the second side <laughs> yeah. of a tape? Yeah. <laughs> because that's bizarre. My second thought after that was, wait a minute. Why did they put an interlude? <laughs> yes. why, why is this here? Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. If you write a really cool interlude, like, or if you have a really cool piece of music, or if it's uh, marking a transition in the tone of an album, great, do it. Fucking go for it. This one, I don't know. Just to pat you on the back real fast, because I had nothing to do with it. Celebrating Evil is a great example of... An interlude that uh, is fun. It has a great vibe and it notates a vibe change of a piece of work. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. Yes, I I mean, so for anybody that hasn't listened to uh, our, our Fuckface album, Aaron and I are in a, a rap group called Fuckface. We released an album called Old Sins Cast Long Shadows. And midway through the album, there is a change in tone. We go from more upbeat, sort of up-tempo songs to the the back half is a darker, slower tone. And there is a uh, an interlude in the middle that sort of marks that change and transitions the album. That was my intent. I'm glad you picked it up that way. Hopefully other people do too, and they don't go... Why is there a fucking interlude at this point in the album like we're doing with this one? Correct. Yeah, no, that is that is not how I I saw it. But also, I think that that interlude is one of my favorite, like, produced sampled interludes ever. It's fucking awesome. I love it. Thanks. I fucking love it. Awesome. Well, those are my two thoughts on interlude. Okay, let's move on to track 12. Deceive. Tell me your thoughts. My first thought. First of all, ROC comes out swinging on this one. This beat, uh, though, sucks. I hate it. It annoys my tinnitus. We've talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this one does the exact same. I don't know. I was interested to see if it did it to you as well. I would have to go back and listen and see this one. I did not specifically notice it. However, gotcha. I did talk a good. I'm going to talk about the beat when we get to it. Perfect. I can't wait. The flows are fine. This is where I note that, like, listen, you can't really find a lot of strong themes in this album. Right. Uh, And this is another track where they made a beat. Uh, They have a general vibe of what it is about, but it's not a hard theme. The ROC has a uh, two lines here. If you're not a player hater, yes, let me see you rock. If you're not a player hater, then why you're gun cocked, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's Um, pretty good. I didn't even catch that line. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's uh the second line in the whole song. It's like right at the beginning. Oh, maybe uh, I just it, didn't it care. Perk then. up a little bit. <laughs> maybe uh, I'm gonna give uh, a big shout out to Mustard. We do a lot. I, Mustard, really, truly, just one of the greatest resources when it comes to reviewing music like this, because Mustard went in and added all the lyrics for all these House of Crazies albums. So I was looking at a lot of them, but not for every song. Sometimes, you know, I would if there was something that I had a question about, I would jump to it and look at it or something like that. Uh, but huge, huge thanks to Mustard for being ahead of the curve and, and getting all that shit in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Big, big shout out to Mustard, um, because it would have been vastly more difficult to try and get themes from this album if there wasn't a uh, a lyric sheet in front of me. Yeah, because Because you would have been thinking a lot of maybe there are themes instead of just looking at genius and going, nope. Well, so (laughs) when I was like, when I listened to a song, you know, especially with these, you get a lot. And we talked about it before we started recording. There's lots of question marks in here on the lyrics because the vocals get lost due to production, due to ripping things off of a fucking tape from so long, you know, due to whatever. Yeah. Right. That lyrics are vastly helpful to say, okay, I think that this song, let me go back and see that being said, mustard was able to get the Chewbacca reference. That was uh, that was said later on in this song. I hit you with the infrared laser tag. I got you. I got the long brown hair and crossbow like I'm Chewbacca. I mean, it's a bowcaster, but okay, I'll I'll accept crossbow from from him on this one. Okay, not red eye from R2D2. That one's inexcusable for sure. This one, I mean, for the, the cadence and rhyme scheme. Okay, fine. Crossbow. Absolutely. Yeah, this song, uh. The beat is my massive problem on it. I couldn't I can't listen to the song again because of the beat. I feel like I, I just don't I, I don't want to. But their flows were fine. The You know, they worked the beat just fine. Just like all like they're doing good. I, I feel like there's just a lot of issues with the music. Yeah. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are 12 tracks in. And after that interlude, we just listened to. I feel like Brian was at his house just cranking out beats every day with his Casio and his drum machine. And there was zero process for refining them going, is this a interesting, you know, hook or riff? Uh, does this sound good? Is this a good beat? They just took everything and went, cool, we're going to use everything. And doesn't matter what the songs are about. We're just going to drop verses on these and crank these motherfuckers out. I think that's the case here. I really do. I uh, this one has a couple of interesting things in it. Paul throws in a pigskin a reference, which references back to the first album. Jamie's got, yeah, like you said, another Star Wars reference. This is also, and I I it really hit me on this song, the first album where they lean heavy into the weed talk. They do it on a, a few songs, and that's something that's gonna carry True. through into Twisted as well. There were references, and it's funny early on, Jamie would talk about being a drug abuser and things. And I can't help but wonder if he had some coming to terms with him himself starting to smoke weed, drink, things like that, and then eventually accepted it and kind of leaned into it. And then in Twisted, they they just leaned into it hard. Like, I think making albums about killing and horror and all that stuff is a way to push back at society and go, look, we're being rebels. Look, we're doing, we're saying things you're not supposed to say. And I kind of feel like leaning into the weed talk for 
Jamie listening to his previous songs about being a drug addict and things. Maybe there was a similar vibe to if I lean into this, it feels rebellious and it feels like I'm saying something I shouldn't say. So mm. that that kind of came to me on this track as well. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. Well, shall we move on to track 13? Please. Land of the Walking Dead. What are your thoughts? Well, I was really, really stoked when I saw this title because I was like, here we go. Here we go. Here's some horror themed stuff. Uh, and then the song started and I was like, I'm ready for this album to be over. I really am. Uh, this beat sucks. This one sounds like a mistake. Like the other ones, I just think are simple and not super memorable. This one sounds like some chaos at points. Uh, also, this is not a song about zombies. However, I do like what they did here. They use zombies and the walking dead as a metaphor for society and the challenges of living in tough neighborhoods and stuff like that. I think I do think it's interesting. I want to point this out in the song title and hook. They reference the walking dead. Not that they made that term up uh, because I think that probably existed. However, this was seven years before the first Walking Dead comic book was published and 14 years before the show premiered. So definitely not a term that was, you know, part of the the common lexicon at that point. So that's kind right, of, it wasn't part yeah. of pop culture. Yeah, that, I think that's that's kind of cool. And uh, that's about the coolest thing about the song. Musically, I think the song is awful. I just did not like it. What were your thoughts? Um, you know what? I'm so happy that they're pretty similar to you. I was so goddamn ready to be fucking done with this. Uh, when I got into this song. Yeah, this is not a, a, a horror core song or a song with horror theme theming in it. Right. You know, the beat is eh, busy. Uh, you know, they work with it pretty well. But when you work with a beat well, that's busy. Yeah, I mean, it's also going to be it's just going to add to the busyness. I feel like it did. This just it, this song is not different enough from the rest of what we've heard so far uh, to hold my attention in now what roughly 45 minutes, I'd say, into this. Yeah, but I will say, though, us saying the song started up and us being like, God, I'm ready for this to be over. I don't think that's got anything to do with the song itself. It's got to do with the album and the placement of the album. If I was to call this down to six tracks and say it's just an EP, I'd probably put this one on it. I guess that's an important distinction, right? It's yeah. not the the song itself that's horrible. Now, I wasn't a huge fan of this song. But so I, this song in particular, I didn't I didn't quite like. And I don't think I would make it part of my final six. But it's the just the taking on of listening to this album in a critical manner and sitting down and having to listen to like an hour of, of relatively pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Now, let me be clear when I say this is one that would make it on. I still think that the music on this track is pretty objectively messy and not something that mm -hmm. I personally like. I'm talking about the theming of it. This one has something to say. They're making a statement. They are talking about society and things like that. I like them using the metaphor, which is tired at this point and probably was tired then, but it's something. So yeah. I don't want the music from this on my six song EP, but I love that it had a purpose and a theme, which elevates it above a lot of the other songs that were just write lines and try to be clever. 
you know, which is fine, but you can't yeah, make yeah, it yeah. a whole album like that. So that that's where that's coming from on my part. Fuck yeah. Love it. Cool. Let's move on to track 14, The House. This one obviously is their eponymous track about the House of Crazies. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think the uh, the intro was pretty fucking cool. Kind of gets you ready to get into the uh, get into the uh, the song here. This song kind of felt like it should be way earlier in the album for me, though. I think the chorus is pretty fucking sick on this. Who got the lyric that's on? Who got the lyrics that's on? Who got the chrome, the dirty trio, hectic ROC and Mr. Bones? I think that's pretty cool. I think the ROC went uh, went in pretty hard on his verse. Uh, Jamie and Paul both did relatively good jobs on theirs. Music on this one um, was was fine. I don't there wasn't anything on this one musically that stood out to me as being uh, overly horrible or anything like that. But I, I feel like this song was given the it uh, was d- done a disservice because it was put so late. I actually I feel like this song should have probably been on side A. Probably it would have been a um, good final track on side A, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think closing out side A with this song would have been pretty dope. This song isn't bad. Objectively, this is a, a pretty solid track, but this is pretty deep into. I mean, this is the third to last track. Right. This is pretty deep into a very long album that sounds very similar. Yeah, I'd say this is another pretty lackluster beat. Uh, And I would chalk it up to you work with what you've got. But I still think even working with what tools they had, they could have written and produced more interesting and memorable tracks because of that. I'm not sure I would consider this musically progress compared to where they came from. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Like early on, they they were just <laughs> patching together pieces of other people's songs and stuff. And yet there was a lot of character and interest in it. This is lacking a lot of character. And this song just really drives that home to me. Um, there, This is just another song that just is nothing too special about it. Aside from what you mentioned, The Hook. And I would say that they repeat that hook enough and it is just catchy enough. This might be the most standout catchy song, the most memorable like hook and stuff on the whole album. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, I think the hook 100% carried this song. You ready to move on to the second to last track? Very. The titular track 15, Head Trauma. What were your thoughts? My notes by this point had gotten pretty minimal. And I don't necessarily, even having listened to this song a couple of times, don't remember it. So my notes just say, title track, beat is whack, versus sound sick, Donald Trump reference. <laughs> That's my notes. What are your thoughts? Um, my, my first thought, and by the way, my, my thoughts on have gotten pretty minimal from the land of the walking dead on. Yeah. So I I agree with you on that. Um, My first thought, my first written down thought is I am begging you to switch up your flows or delivery style or something. Um, And yeah, that might sound a little snarky, but uh, I, you know, I was feeling snarked up at the time. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can't hear you. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, beat exists i think that uh they work it fine here's the deal 
they're doing they're really good at what it, it, you know their flows and, and they're progressing as artists and they're uh growing and and all this stuff but i feel like all of that stuff grew and then like the music and production regressed does that make sense yeah i i feel so it's progression in the sense that they are building their own beats they are writing their own riffs they are producing their own stuff they're not just cutting together samples and things like that but it's regressed in the sense that the music has less character is less hooky and interesting in some ways i think it's it's progression as them uh for them as musicians to to be able to start doing all that uh stuff rather than you're right ripping things and 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 cutting things up and all that um i've liked plenty of bands over the years that once they all figure out how to play their instruments i'm no longer interested because it's just not fun or interesting to listen to anymore mm, okay interesting point yeah I, as this is progression as artists regression is the music sure yeah no i think it's almost the opposite progression in production but regression as art right they figured out hey we can do these kind of the fast flows and stuff we've we've got our voices figured out but you can't go i figured it out i'm gonna do that same thing on every song i think the art gets lost a little there i need it does i need them to go okay how do we paint a picture how do we create a textured album that has you interested from beginning to end how do we make each song unique and special and cool you know i guess here's here's a way uh to put it they could have released head trauma as it is a 16 track album or in 1996 they could have released 16 singles (laughs) and it would have been the exact same because there it doesn't feel very it's not cohesive there's they didn't put thought into the uh, the work of art as a whole. Yes. And it also feels too cohesive because it all feels like the same thing. True. Yeah. It's it's 16 tracks, but yeah, it's one track at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you said they could have released 16 singles. I think there is not a single on this album, really. I mean, there's one or two that would be close, but. Oh, no, I don't think any of these is uh, a clear cut deserved single song. Yeah, we're we're starting to get into overall thoughts. We're we getting into track overall left. thoughts at this point. Yeah, we uh we still have a track. Um, let's let's get to the last track. Let's get to the last track. Sixteen yeah. terminal illness. Go. Yeah, uh, terminal illness. It is a song. It exists. It's not. I mean, it's you get a big spoken part, and then you get like sort of an outro skit thing, a verse in there. I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. It's it's there. Yeah, my first note was like, is this album still going? And then I was like, oh, wait, this one's super short. Okay, I will say this has character. This is interesting. This is fun. Yes, it's just an outro, but you get like the beginning of an outro, like spoken word, like a traditional. And then Jamie jumps in and starts rapping a verse weird about the color of his piss, but he starts rapping a verse and the ROC is like, whoa, what are you doing? And Jamie's like, I'm doing my verse from insane. And ROC is like, this is the outro. That's for the next album. And Jamie's like, yeah, if you want to hear it, you're going to have to listen to the next album. Pretty sick, right? But the thing is, that's never going to happen. 
those stupid idiots they don't even know i did like this is what i want though they thought about this they had a concept they did something different and interesting with it they they subverted your expectations because i thought it was just going to be a regular spoken word outro and the first time i listened to it i didn't recognize what it was then i listened again and i went okay that was clever but that's it that's all i got fuck yeah well there it is there you have it that's head trauma it is um and, you know, we've kind of given our overall thoughts on it, but we'll let, we'll go ahead and wrap that up as well. Yeah, my overall thoughts, again, you've heard a lot of them. I think that this album, I, I love I love how they're progressing as lyricists. I love how they're progressing as uh, just musicians as a whole with, with how they, they deliver their lyrics, with how they, all that stuff. I just wish they would have stepped back and taken a look at this and said, okay, here are all these awesome songs that we've written and put together. Uh, but now let's put these songs together and see what it's like. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, uh, stepping back and listening to the album in a objective way and going, okay, how is this album? What do we need to tweak? What could we do better? What do we like? What do we not like? What needs to stay? What needs to go? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And I I think that they would have been able to it would have served them well to do that on on this. Yeah. That's where my last closing thought, I guess, on my overall thoughts. What what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I guess just to sum everything that we've talked about up, I I feel like listening to this album makes my brain go numb. Uh, A song here or there. Fine. But listening to the whole thing. I start to just zone out on it. I think Jamie and Paul and Brian all sound great. They do. They sound great on this. I think, like we said, most of the beats are not great. I I just I don't think musically this is a great album. But with that said, I will say this is their first album where I think except for those two songs we talked about, the production is pretty consistent. I wouldn't say it's good, but I think it's it's better production and more consistent than where they were. The the problem is there's just nothing that really stands out on this album. There's nothing that pulls me back, sticks in my brain, nothing so cool that I'm like, I've just got to listen to that again. It all just blends together. And I feel like although their skills are growing, this album may not be the best way to showcase their skills. But again, this is a step in the evolution of this group. These are kids learning to make their own music, learning to rap, emulating what they're hearing from other artists. This is a step, just like any band, this is a step in that direction. This is not a signed, professionally produced album. This is them doing their thing. We are learning, we are hearing them learn and figure stuff out. Uh, The other thing that I'll say about this album is that there's a lot less horror-themed elements here, which House of Crazies absolutely was formed on the basis of being a horror, horror core group, right? I feel like we get it in the intro. We have a song or two here or there, but mostly we get a reference or a line here and there in a song, which any rapper does really, to be honest at this point. So it it's not that different from a lot of what was out there. I do think this album is interesting though, just hearing them grow as HOK. Not necessarily hearing them become more like Twisted, just hearing House of Crazies evolve. 
evolve. This still sounds distinctly like House of Crazies to me, but you can hear where they were headed. And once you hear that first Twisted album, you can really get a sense of how much the ROC grounded them in their sound and style as House of Crazies. I think listening to this album, which I've heard people say is a lot like Twisted or is just basically most tasteless, House of Crazies and Twisted are definitely not the same thing. And the difference between the two is Brian. Not necessarily just that he isn't on verses in the Twisted songs, but that he is not creating the sound that is shaping them as a group anymore. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel that. Uh, and I feel like that's something that I will uh, dive into, obviously, next season when we explore more into Twisted. Yeah. Now, again, the production on Most Tasteless and the music and beats much better, significantly more interesting and memorable. Yes, you're going to hear some House of Crazies, but you, I think you're going to be able to separate them out and go, nope, these are two separate entities. They're not right. one and the same. I'm not mad that we have done this season talking about all the House of Crazies albums because I think it gives context and helps us to understand. But I, in my brain, I just assumed a House of Crazies was basically an early name for Twisted, even though I had heard, you know, early. Right. House of, but doing this has made me realize it's two different groups. It really is. Right, right, right. I, I get that. I get that. And I, I feel like when we started this, even I thought, okay, this is just, you know, Twisted 1.0 and, you know, Twisted is just Twisted 2.0. Yeah, I um, think people led us astray because I asked, hey, do we need to review House of Crazies to understand Twisted? And they're like, yeah, you got to review House of Crazies. Now nah, we could have jumped in with Twisted. <laughs> right. You all lied um, to us, but no, 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 no. I'm super glad we did this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm happy that we did jump into House of Crazies because, I mean, we've listened to some of my more, I'm not going to say favorite because it's not this not like if this was on streaming services, I would listen to it way the fuck more. House, House of Crazies in general, not, yeah, uh, head trauma, you know, whatever. But House of Crazies in general, if it was on streaming services, I would absolutely listen to it a lot more. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We have learned a lot about House of Crazies. We've learned about Paul and Jamie and Brian who will be involved in things down the road. I wouldn't say I liked this album. But I still would say I like House of Crazies, despite not liking this album very much. Right. Absolutely. I guess we have to pick our favorite songs. Oh, shit. We have to pick our favorite tracks. I have two in mind. So do I. Perfect. Uh, I think one of ours is going to be the same. I think the other one's going to be different. I don't think My... either one of ours. Are, I think we're going to pick two totally different songs based on our conversation. Oh, you think? Yeah. But okay. what are your two? R.I.P. and Paranoid. Oh, OK. R.I.P. and Don't Follow Me. We did have one common. Okay, I figured R.I.P. was going to be the common one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's not put them on our playlist because we can't. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> so I feel like those three songs are pretty, pretty indicative of like the three top tracks, right? For us. Sure. Yeah, oh, I would. For, I yeah, would agree. I think Paranoid would have been the next one on my list. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now let's get into Fago scores. Let's let's music and beats. I went low, baby. I probably could have even gone even lower, but uh, music and beats on this one, I went with a 2.0. Um, I just, there's just so much, there's too many issues with the music and beats that, that took me out of the 
listening experience too often. Yeah, same. I, I also gave it a two. I, I did not care for the music on this one. So. Hell yeah. Uh, lyrics and flows. I honestly went with a uh, went with a three on this one because, you know, maybe that's a little low, but I think that they did a good job. That's above average. I mean, 2.5 is average, right? Yeah. Um, I went with a three. I think that they they went above average on on their lyrics and flows. But, you know, I, I feel like even the most proven artist gives me an hour's worth of a lot of the same. I wouldn't give them a five, you know? No. Because uh, it's not just about objectively, did they do well on this song? Did they do well on this song? It's about the overall album. And uh, their lyrics and flows were not, they, did, they didn't differ enough and, and change it up enough throughout the hour of, of this listening experience to make me want to score it anything above a, a three. All right. I gave it a 3.5. If they had stronger hooks and more variations in their cadences, I would have given them a four. But outside of those two issues, I think they all sounded great on this. Badass. Yeah, I think I probably would have gone with a 3.5 if they would have given us uh, a few more hooks or, uh, you know, courses and stuff. Yeah. Rather than just the instrumentals. So, yeah, I get that. Okay, re-listenability. Uh, this one, I mean, I went with a two on re-listenability as well, and it's not because I can't easily get to it. I can. It's because I just I don't see a world where I say, OK, I have an hour to hang out. I'm a pop on head trauma. I just don't see a world where that happens because I would much rather go in and say, OK, I'm going to listen to R.I.P. and, uh, you know, this and this and this and and then I'll move on to another album. Yeah, that's fair. I don't see a world where I put on the album and don't touch it and let it play. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I also went with a two. Is it re-listenable? Sure, but I'm not coming back to it. It's in such an odd gray area between what I like about House of Crazies and what I like about Twisted. I'd probably just go listen to one or the other versus listening to this. Uh, it's just it, it's not. It's not what I like about House of Crazies overall, and I'm not going to, aside from a song or two, not going to re-listen to it. Overall vibe. I feel like the overall vibe on this album was slightly, I don't know. It's like, on one hand, I want to say, yeah, they they nailed what they wanted to do. They wanted to go in and they wanted to make uh, this type of song, you know, and they made 16 of them. More or less. But at the same time, the vibe that they meant for it to be is not the vibe that I feel like I'm getting. You know, the overall vibe of this is disjointed. It's not necessarily a cohesive piece of work of 16 tracks. It's just 16 tracks that are lumped together, I feel like. You know, if, if you were to put on... Let's see, if you were to put on uh, Deceive... And then if you were to play for me, Nosferatu, and then say Hypno after that, right? I would say, oh, was this the same album? Was like, a, I don't know. I, I don't know what, how I'm trying to explain it. Overall vibe is all always just a mess of confusion for me. But uh, I anyway, anyway, I scored it a two and a half. See, I, I fully disagree with what you just said there. I don't Hit think this it. album is disjointed enough. I think it's so consistent and so cohesive that it all like if you let me listen to those three songs 
I would definitely know which album they were from. Mm. Uh, I'm not talking thematically. I'm just talking about listening to it sound wise. I think that this album has a consistent vibe, but not a distinct one. It's got its own sound, but not an interesting one. I think House of Crazies is unique, but somehow this album is just bland enough that without the context of the prior albums, I wouldn't even consider this to still be horrorcore, even horrorcore adjacent. They just sound at this point like another DIY rap group trying to come up in the 90s, more concerned about being rappers than they are about writing songs. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. I, I guess I guess my feeling of disjointment with this is coming in on the expectation of wanting a uh, cohesive Maybe it's my expectations that that made made it feel disjointed. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, if that's your feelings, then yeah, it makes sense. Right, right, right. So I came into this thinking, okay, I'm going to listen to a horrorcore uh, album by a rap group that does really good horrorcore, and I didn't quite get that. No, and I for think sure. that's why I feel like that's dis- I feel like that's why. I- it's disjointed for me. Yeah, I think sure. I think they're kind uh, of But I totally coasting. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're kind of coasting on the vibes of their reputation on this album. Ooh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, that brings us out to an overall score of 2.375, which is a two and a half Fagos. Okay. I guess I guess that's the correct score. I feel like we didn't like this album, but it's not an objectively poorly made album. It's just we didn't care for it. So average is probably the right score. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that 2.5 objectively is correct. We just we didn't like this and that's OK. Yeah, that sounds right. I feel like maybe I ruined it for myself because I I went in with the H-O-K, high HOK expectations because of how much I fuck with them. You know what I mean? Right. For sure. For sure. So uh, and this isn't the first time that's happened. I feel like we did that with ICP as well. That happens uh, yeah. in some some works as well. So I think uh, I think the emotion you're describing is disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry, I should have called my dad and asked him what he feels every time he talks to me and i could have told you exactly what i was feeling (laughs) i mean sometimes subverting expectations and doing something that you are not anticipating can be good the times that it isn't something good it's something disappointing true true disappointment is subjective to the person and their expectations absolutely y'all Thank you for hanging with us. Even if I wasn't a huge fan of the album, I'm a huge fan of this episode and this conversation. For sure. For sure. Um, And I'm a huge fan of everybody that's listening to this episode and this conversation. And I'm going to be a huge fan of of hearing y'all's thoughts on it. Eric. Yes. If somebody would like to tell us their thoughts on our thoughts of this episode, how could they do that? I'll tell you what. They can go to our website. It's ICP wwe.com that's icp with we just abbreviated icpwwe.com and while you're there you can uh, send us an email 
You can follow us on our social media channels, Twitter and Instagram. You can you can DM us there. You can join our Discord and talk to us in the Discord. You can support us on Patreon. You can buy merch, all kinds of stuff, all right there on icpwwe.com. Awesome. And that is a worldwide web. It is. Yeah. Worldwide. So, so keep that in mind. You can, you can access it everywhere except for uh, areas of the world where they are blocking you from the Internet. Now, you do not need to type in the hypertext transfer protocol acronym before the WWW. You don't. You Your probably don't. Should fill that yeah, in. You probably don't well. even need to put the WWW, but you can. The important things to put are the icpwwe.com. That's it. That's the thing that you need to put in there. Awesome. Well, hey, one thing that you find on our website, as Eric mentioned, is our Patreon, uh, which is only $3, and you get a bunch of awesome, cool benefits, including me calling you my over-the-shoulder boulder holders, much like Rob, Viron, Corey, and Blade. Thank you for your support, y'all. Thank you for your support. All right. My back May- has been feeling great. Oh, good. That's ever, good. Ever since I've gotten my over the shoulder boulder holders. We, Rob needed, that, Blade. we needed that kind of support. Uh, Absolutely. OK, well, make sure you check out our next episode where we're going to review uh, ICP songs. We missed volume seven, seven of nine. Isn't that a wow. character from Star Trek? Is it? I'm not. A, I'm not a Trekkie. I think so. I watch like the the cinematic releases of Star Trek's, and that's like pretty much it. Let me let me hit this Google. Yeah, seven of nine. Wow, there is some really interesting fan art here. <laughs> okay. Eric was like, "Let me hit the Google with the safe search off." <laughs> I always have safe search off. Come on, fuck safe search. What do I look like a fucking nun? <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We had a great time. Until next week, big old whoop whoop. For Eric, I'm Aaron. See you then. Whoop whoop. In the name of songs, 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 songs. This is our ongoing examination of Twisted. That was 16. I had to, as soon as I realized you're doing it 16 times, I had to mute my mic so I didn't fuck up the take. I was fucking laughing. Oh, that was good. Fuck yes. (laughs) So stupid.